This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Well, hello and welcome into another edition of the PHNX D-Backs podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Montia. Of course, I'm your mayor of PHNX. This guy is the Thunderstick. I'd like to thank him for holding it down yesterday without me. I heard your yeah, ad you know, were good. We begrudgingly have to let you back on the show today. But Sean, Sean, Sean did, he made quite an impression yesterday. I'm not going to lie. So uh, I don't think you've seen the last of Sean DePaz on the PHNX D-Back show. But I I guess we're happy to have you back. He's saying that. Jesse Friedman, Thunderstick, Vice Mayor, is saying that when he was the one that refused to let Sean on the show. If you remember, Sean was my office MVP. Do you think I'm going to give that to somebody that I don't (laughs) want on my show in here joining us as a third, getting ready to replace Jesse? Absolutely not. I know how electric sean is when he's in here and it was jesse uh who was uh holding it against him but see look at i mean like i said yesterday on the show you know leah had to produce jacob was busy no one else was in the office so sean see? was just kind of the, the only option we had see but, what he does? but like i said he made a good impression mm-hmm. and so i think i think we're probably gonna have it back on at some point uh, chris melton in the chat says there's receipts jesse there's receipts that's all i'm gonna say of course this show is brought to you by the fine folks at the DraftKings sportsbook app america's top-rated sportsbook app. Jesse, very excited. We have a guest today. We're joined by yes. Bill Gla- Gil Velasquez of the Reno Aces, PCL Manager of the Year. And I'm not sure if you remember, but kind of guided those Reno Aces to the PCL title. Very excited to have him join us today. But first, yeah. um, we have some hot stove discussion, I guess, if you want to talk about that. More importantly, it's like Thanksgiving. Did someone forget to preheat the hot stove. The hot stove is lukewarm at best right now. Uh, it happens every baseball season, let's be honest. Uh, we don't really get things popping off until the winter meetings. But yeah. uh, with all of our excitement for free agency, all these free agents hitting the market, uh, and so far all we have is the New York Mets and the New York Yankees being cleared of collusion when it comes to uh, Aaron Judge, MVP, free agent. Uh, apparently, according to someone within the Mets organization, Uh, The two owners for the two teams, Cohen and Steinbrenner, had a discussion uh, that sounded of sorts like they weren't going to try to outbid each other for top free agents, which violates uh, some rules within baseball. Am I not wrong about that? I mean, it's also it's very smart. I mean, (laughs) it's very smart. It's smart. It's smart until somebody finds out about it. Right. right? Yeah. Until Uh, someone blabs about it. (laughs) Yeah. I I haven't really been able to verify like the credibility of of this report you feel like it's pretty credible like well mlb this actually happened mlb had to get involved and make a decision here when it came to collusion between i guess the two that's teams, pretty credible so. uh yeah i mean it it's kind of surprising that they would actually try something like that i mean i feel like you had to see it coming that you know somebody was going to figure out what was going on here but uh, but I mean, it is in their own best interest. Um, right. Although I have to say that, like, I think the San Francisco Giants would would 
you know, I mean, they're a factor in this as well. It's not as if it's just like the Yankees and the Mets going sure. back and forth. Sure. Like, even if they were able to collude, the Giants would come out and be like, hey, we're willing to offer more than both of you. So right. one of you guys is going to have to come up to our price, well, in which case the collusion doesn't really even matter at that point. I'm saying I, I, I feel like this. I know this is collusion. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but I'm also saying like, is this really the first time this has happened that two owners basically had a chat with each other? According to the quote was that they enjoy a mutually respectful relationship and do not expect to upend that with a high profile bidding war. And that's between uh, Steve Cohen and Yankees huh. chairman Hal Steinbrenner. Um, but again, like, yeah, of course. I mean, sometimes if you know somebody or have some sort of relationship with them, you can do that. It's it's just collective bargaining agreements really prevent these guys from ever talking about this stuff with anybody and having it come to light. I mean, yeah. we've been in Mike Hazen press conferences before where someone asked a question that kind of veered towards Hazen's thoughts on, you know, maybe the contracts that are being given out or something of the sort. And he can't comment on that because once he does, it's a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. There's There's been other cases, too. I believe there was something said um from the Astros owner about Justin Verlander. And it kind of, again, something, all I have to do is say a little something, you know, that might lean towards them giving their position or making some sort of comment on on the market right now, which yeah. is, which could be completely insane on based on what we've seen uh, when it comes to the retention of some of the relievers just around baseball, you know, let alone some of these high-priced free agents that are going to yeah. get scooped up. I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know how much Edwin Diaz's market necessarily affects, like, Aaron Judge. Mm. Aaron, it's it's going to be fascinating because Aaron Judge is 31 years old, Correct. I want to say. Um, that's old. Like, not that old. <laughs> not that old. It's not that bad. But, like... Oh, Jesse, you got to stop coming after me. You got to stop personally attacking me. <laughs> he's older than some of the other free agents, some of the other no. top-end free agents on the market, right? Um, and especially just like given his size, um, it's hard to know how a player like Aaron Judge will age. I think a lot of people have optimism just given how athletic he is and the fact that, you know, he's not just a hitter. He's a really he's a pretty solid defender. He can even play some center field as well. Um, so I, I don't think there's that much concern from that standpoint. But anytime you're talking about a guy who's, you know, who's 31 years old entering free agency and you're talking about you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years or whatever it might take. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if Edwin Diaz's hundred and two million really has any any impact on that. It's like, what are you willing to pay for a guy who um, you know, just hit sixty-two home runs and right. had an outstanding season? Um, I think the market for him is gonna set itself kind of separately from a lot of the other guys out there. Yeah. Uh Brian Abdallah said in the comments, Aaron Judge wants a bidding war. He absolutely does. Uh, and Gabriel Ferrer says someone is going to give Judge eight years, three hundred and fifty million. Three fifty. So that would be, wow, that's that's an insane AAV. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, eight years, three fifty. That's forty four ish million, forty three million um, per year. Would you give Aaron Judge? I'm not. I, I forty three, forty four million per year for that long. I, I would have a hard time, even if I had the money, giving any player that much money. Right? I just refuse to believe <laughs> that any player makes that big of a difference to your team to yeah. put so much money um, on, on on one player and their impact. You know, like you said, he's getting older. Who knows by the age of thirty seven, thirty six, thirty seven, if he's still going to be able to perform anywhere close to where he currently is right now. Not to mention the fact that. A single injury could ruin that entire yeah. you know, pipe dream as far as him being 
a valuable part of your team for that length of time. Yeah. Also, thanks to Brian for uh, helping me out here. He is 30. Um, I did just check and confirm that is correct. So yeah, he's currently 30. He'll be 31 though in April. So um, yeah, it's not like he's super old. I mean, he's not like a 34 year old free agent or anything, but I mean, you're talking about at least what, like I think seven years is kind of a no brainer. Like there's no way he gets less than seven years. So it's like, do you think that Aaron judge is going to be a good baseball player in his age, you know, 38 season? Like, is that something that you're, that you're willing to bet on? I don't know. We're, um, seeing, we're seeing that out of Justin Verlander. I know he's a pitcher, so it's different when true. it comes to pitchers. And he's also but. not human. <laughs> he is not human. That is very true. That is very true. But uh, in other uh, starting pitcher news, I don't think Garrett Cole is going to be inviting Alex Manoa over for Thanksgiving dinner or even sending him a Christmas card after a recent interview, Jesse, where Manoa was asked, who is the worst cheater in baseball? And... Uh, he had something interesting to say. He mm. didn't really hesitate too much. Let's check. In me. So you ready? Yeah. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> Who is the worst cheater in the baseball story? In baseball history? Yeah. Cheater? Yeah. Uh, uh Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, what he did? Yeah, he cheated. He used a lot of, like, sticky stuff. Yeah. To make his pitches better. Wow. And he uh, he kind of got caught out, caught out on it. Okay. Yeah. So this one's for you. Oh, this is for me. Yeah, that's one, the big one. You answer it. <laughs> Ooh, this one, I never had this one. This is too big. Oh, they are moving. Oh, why you did this to me? Mm. <laughs> I told you, I'm answering every question. I'm not drinking that tea. <laughs> yeah, you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> is that Serge Ibaka? That's Serge Ibaka. What? That is Serge Ibaka's podcast. How hungry are you? The How hungry are you podcast? Ah, and, makes uh, sense. Okay. That, that is Alex Manoa labeling Garrett Cole as uh, the biggest cheater in baseball history. I mean, Jesse? objectively, that's not true. Right? I mean, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally no case to possibly be made that Garrett Cole is the biggest cheater. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a pretty uncomfortable interview with Garrett Cole back in 2021. Uh, that was the, the spider year. tech interview. Yeah, that yes. was that was the year that Major League Baseball really cracked down on you know the usage of of those kind of substances during games. And yeah, I think it was June 2021, Garrett Cole was asked in a press conference, have you ever <laughs> used this stuff? And it's hilarious. Yeah. We, probably, we probably should have pulled video of that We should have pulled too. that video. Um, he turns into a sputtering car from a cartoon. Yeah, he just doesn't know how to respond. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't quite know. I don't quite know how to answer He's only as guilty as he himself admitted. And in that interview, he admitted a lot. But that said, he's not the biggest. I mean, come on. He's not the biggest cheater in MLB history. But Alec Manoa and Garrett Cole have had their beefs over the years. There was an incident in a game recently. I don't know if they were even pitching against each other in that game. But there was a guy hit by a pitch and they were tripping back and forth at each other. So all I know is that. In 2023, if we get an Alec Manoa, Garrett Cole oh, pitching matchup, oh, that is to going to be must-see TV to must for be, sure. Must, absolutely must-see. Both, both guys need to bat in that game. I know it's an American League game. What? Both, both, <laughs> both pitchers need to DH Just so that they game. have a, a chance to hit each other? Yeah, is that exactly. What you're, is that what you're exactly. Okay. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> well, Alec Manoa became one of our favorite pitchers uh, just during the All-Star game with, with everything he did and how entertaining he was. Uh, he is a big personality. 
it doesn't surprise me that he didn't shy away from a question like this. No, but no. It did surprise me, given the question was, who's the biggest baseball cheater, cheater in baseball in history, right? Yeah, that he would go after somebody who's still currently playing versus a wide range of players who are who are no longer active yeah, that he could have right, gone after. Right. right. It would have been weird for him in some way to go after a player who retired, you know, to go after one of the PED users or, you know, some sure. of the names that we talk about sure. a lot. Because I don't know, that would just come across as like, oh, Alec Manoa has this hard-hitting opinion about, you know, which which icons in baseball are, you <laughs> yeah. know, were the biggest cheaters. Like, I don't think that really comes across for right. him very well. Whereas him going after Garrett Cole is a big statement, yeah. but it's also something that, like, you know, the Blue Jays fan base is going to be all over, and the Blue Jays and Yankees kind of already hate each other at oh, this yes. point. So yeah. they're not really trying to maintain any kind of peace there. So, uh, yeah, in some ways, I'm not that surprised that Alec Manoa chose violence in, in this particular <laughs> uh, in this particular instance. Um, Gabriel, Gabriel Ferrer said, weird fact of the history of baseball, there had never been a player named Alec. Now there's two at the same time. Alec Thomas, really? Alec Manoa. Huh. What? I don't I don't believe you, but I'm going to verify that. I trust you. I don't feel like you would have come in the chat in the comments with that ammunition uh, and, and misfired. But I, I mean, know. that's not that uncommon of a name. It's right? really not. But I bet they both get called Alex a lot. I'm pretty sure I called him Alex. Manoa yeah, you definitely this, did call him Alex. Started. Beginning, yeah. I, I know his name's Alec, but um, yeah, I get mad at people for doing that to Alec Thomas. So my apologies, of course. Uh Jesse over here wants me out of here really bad, obviously. I think that's what's going on here. But uh, we're very excited uh, to have you guys as diehards, D-backs diehards, PHNX diehards. And if you haven't signed up for that diehard membership, please do so. Not only will you get uh, an incredible amount back, but you will also get access to the diehards newsletter, which Jesse is a part of, making sure he gets out to you guys as well. So it's very exciting uh, for that. Also, make sure sign up, get a T-shirt or a free hat once uh, per year. Not only that, but we have our uh, Q&As, all sorts of stuff. We're all about the culture. We're all about content. And we're all about giving you guys everything uh, that you wanted. Because, of course, in our community, uh, it's all about you guys. 25% off tailgates. We're going to have uh, members-only invites and events. We've had our incredible uh, watch parties out at Four Peaks Brewing Company so far. So really, we thank you guys so much for being here, for being part of everything we're doing here. Make sure to sign up for a membership. That way you don't miss out on that. Uh, shout out to Jesse for his guest appearance on DNVR Rockies. Working double duty today. Yeah, I don't like that. What have, what have you done? What I have you like done that. today, Derek? I'm only going to be on a new show later that we have on the network called That's G-Rated, fair. where we're going to be talking about uh, the new the new. It's Star not Wars called Andor. G-Rated. That's a common misconception. It's, it's called graded, it's graded, and it's about cheese. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking to it. Thanks. He's <laughs> anyway, we thank you guys for being here in the chat. Of course, make sure to subscribe uh, to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Sign up for notifications. That way you don't miss, miss when any of our shows go live. And also, uh, leave us a thumbs up just for my own personal self-esteem. Uh, we thank you guys for being here in the chat. Of course, uh, you guys are awesome and spending your lunch with us. Uh, if you haven't signed up or if you're listening to us on your favorite audio podcasting app, you haven't signed up there, subscribe, leave us a review. We appreciate you for doing so. Uh, but we are very excited now. Like I said, we were uh, uh, joined a little earlier by Reno Aces manager slash the PCL manager of the year, uh, Gil Velasquez. And here is our chat with Gil. Well, Gil, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking some time. Uh, congratulations first on being named the PCL manager of the year and how your Reno Aces did this year, uh, winning the PCL championship 
uh, we, we were thrilled to watch it. We know we've uh, we've had a lot of fun watching the young guys on the team. And I know Jesse and I uh, are uh, wondering a bit about the excitement of the Aces uh, winning the PCL championship and coming so close in the AAA championship. What's uh, what's the excitement level been like in Reno? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I think, uh, um, I mean, this year was was an outstanding year, not only for the Reno Aces, but the Arizona D-backs, all these, all these young, uh, talented players going up and, uh, you know, having their major league debut. Uh, but, but for, for the Aces, it was, it was just an exciting year, you know, um, uh, getting to win the PCL and, and, and with all the moves we had, it, it, it just, the guys never, uh, lost focus of what the goal was to show up to the ball ballpark every day and, uh, play for each other. Gil, I'm curious, uh, Diamondbacks fans got a little bit of a glimpse of Corbin Carroll just at the very end of the season. I know he wasn't with Reno for very long this year because he obviously got called up. Uh, just what were your impressions of him in that in that brief stint of his in Reno? And uh, what do you think D-backs fans have to look forward to going into next year? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Um, this kid is super talented. Um, you don't get to see these type of players very often. Um He's got he's got everything. He's talented. He's he's an excellent human being. He's a great teammate. You know he's disciplined. Um, he's got I feel he's got every tool to be you know a, a superstar for a long time in the major leagues. Uh, and there's a couple of other guys obviously that have come up um, that played with you this year. I guess my my question that I've always wondered is how difficult as a manager is it to balance a team winning uh like the reno aces won, setting you know uh uh, what was a a club record for most regular season wins while balancing the roster kind of changing so much throughout the season uh well i think i think relationships is what what it comes down to these guys have known each other you know coming up through the system the diamondbacks did an outstanding job just uh you know whether it was a camp or it was uh, uh you know instructional league or a trip to wherever it is uh, these guys got to know each other they got to know each other coming up through the system some guys went to double a some guys went to a ball you know some they they met in triple a and and they knew each other they were comfortable with each other um so that that's what i meant by them playing for each other it wasn't nothing nothing new for them um but uh, yeah, the, I, I tip my hat to the organization. They did an out, outstanding job uh, keeping these guys um, as as a family. To be honest, Gil, what did it mean to you? I know we we touched on it earlier that you won uh, the Manager of the Year award for the PCL. Uh, just what did that mean uh, for you? Just coming in this year as your first year as the manager of the Reno Aces, and you know, uh, achieving what what I presume is a pretty high honor for you, especially in your first year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm honored, you know, but, you know, I've always said the players is what makes the manager. Um, you know, they, they they play hard for each other. They play hard for the staff. And, and at the end, I, I get the reward, but I feel like that's the reward that came from everybody's uh, effort. As a manager in minor league, how is it different for you? Like, as far as developing guys versus at a major league level where the end goal is always – is winning right the the end goal is trying to get that championship do you do you still have that kind of as motivation for you or or do you kind of approach it as you're helping 
these guys along their baseball journey getting to that next level? Well, I think I think development happens on a daily basis. You don't you don't ever stop developing. Um, we try to preach to these guys. You know, once you get in between those lines, it's it's no longer development. It's it's uh, competitiveness. It's it's yeah. performance. You got to get out there and compete. Mm. Um, but throughout the day, you're 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 developing. You're working with guys. You're having conversations. Uh, you're you're letting them know uh, things you're seeing. Um, and honestly, a lot of times it's just having conversations with them, listening to them, and them giving them themselves the answer. Um, but it's it's just being there, being there, available for them at all times as much as you can, and and actually loving what you do. I, you know, you got you got to enjoy what you're doing. So these these guys make it fun, especially when you got talent like that. You know, coming to the ballpark, it's fun. Yeah. Well, and as being as part of their development, being competitive, like I feel. I, I feel like you have to have a like a competitive nature at, at, as an athlete in general, right? But you as a manager, I feel like you know you, you with what you accomplished in your first season that you have to be competitive and and you personally have to win and that kind of might carry over to those guys, yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think uh, you know being in the game as as long as I've been, if I wouldn't be in the game as long as I've been if I didn't have any competitiveness in me. Yeah. I think uh, some guys have it more than others, uh, but I believe everybody that puts a uniform on has it. Uh, it's just finding a way to get it out of them and keeping them focused and being in the present. Speaking of competitive nature, Gil, uh, Jake McCarthy seems to have all of the competitive nature that you could possibly have. Um, there was a moment where he stole home, attempted to steal attempted home, to steal home late, yeah. late in a game. <laughs> didn't didn't end up going so well for him in that particular game. But D-backs fans loved watching him run the bases this year. Obviously, as lightning speed, um, he made significant progress this year offensively as well. Um, it was kind of an up and down year for him. I know he had a couple of different stints uh, with you guys down in Reno, but it it seemed like that that final stint uh, with Reno this year. I think he hit like 369 or something ridiculous and just put up incredible numbers uh, before being called back up to the majors, where he stuck for the rest of the year. What did you see from him specifically in that final stint with you guys in Reno? I, am, I imagine it's not too surprising for you that he's had all the success that he had in the big leagues this year. I think I think uh, Jake coming down, you know, for me it was comfort being with guys that he's came up with. Um, you know, not only that, but I think uh, the coaching staff, our hitting our hitting coaches, uh, did a great job with him as far as uh, uh, working with him, not not giving him the answers, but working with him. He, you know, it's it's a back and forth conversation that they have, and you know, at the end, I felt. They let they they made Jake feel like he found the answer himself. So once once he once he felt found his routine and he felt what was working for him, he trusted it. You know, it's it's easy to trust something that you feel you you found yourself. Um, so a lot of times coaches want to give the answers, and it's hard for the player to trust because they want results instantly. Sure. And he felt something that worked for him and we rode with it. We just we just gave him the confidence and the trust to to do what what he felt was right. And, um, you know, he's 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 dynamic, man. He, he can do a lot of things on the field. Uh, but the competitiveness in him talking about competitiveness, you know, he's he's he's, <laughs> different. he's yeah. different when it comes to competitiveness. Yeah. 
Um, we and we've talked a lot about here, uh, or in Reno and in Amarillo, both being a very hitter friendly uh, ballpark. Uh, Reno being a really really hitter friendly ballpark. So as a manager, how do you kind of uh, how does that impact you developing not only the hitters but the pitchers who also have to play in such a, a hitter friendly uh, elevation? We didn't talk about it. Honestly, nope. we just didn't talk. We didn't talk about it. I mean, honestly, there was comments throughout the year where the ball didn't fly as much um, this year in Reno, um, but we we didn't feed it. We did. We just we just you know played the game. We didn't focus on the ball not going nowhere or or the ball going too far. Sure. Um, it was it was about you know making pitches and and quality at bats, just you know barreling balls up, uh, guys. I, I can I can say also like we we our guys were hitters they were hitters first before they were uh, um, you know trying to hit the long ball yeah um, I don't I, I don't believe, I believe we didn't hit that many home runs compared to the year before um, and I I can't say why but you know I think I think when guys get on base more often you can uh, you can do a lot more with a with a baseball team. Yeah, and it seemed like you guys like no lead was safe uh, when it came to you guys this season. It seemed like you guys were always able to come back and and have some uh, big late late inning wins. And and I mean I know we've seen some deficits that you guys came back from this season. The offense was definitely potent, but like you said, a lot of it was uh, just getting getting guys on on the base path and and getting them in. Yeah, you know, I said it all year. One one of the things that that I felt that we did really well was uh, seventh, eighth, ninth inning came around. We could, we could be down three runs, four runs. It never felt like we were out. Right. They mm. found ways to, to get on base on, on the last three innings and, and whether it was uh, to, to, you know, get the tie and run up in the, in the box or whatever it was, these guys, they found ways to get walks, to get hits and, and keep the line moving. And, and they just they didn't quit. They played the nine innings and, uh, there was there was a few games we came back and won, and it was it was an exciting uh, team. It was a dynamic dynamic team. On the pitching side of things, Gil, and I guess this kind of goes back to our, what we were saying earlier about the hitter friendly environment in Reno. Um, Brandon Fott seemed to be immune to the hitter friendly environment. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how he put up the numbers that he did. I mean, in some ways, it was basically historic. Um, in some ways, just how good his numbers were in Reno on the mound this year. I know he was sort of a workhorse for you guys down the stretch. Uh, Diamondbacks fans are absolutely looking forward to having Brandon Fott uh, hopefully Very play excited. a significant role in the big leagues next year. Uh, what did you see uh, from from the right-hander this season? Uh, he stays composed, man. He doesn't he doesn't let uh, he doesn't let uh, a home run or, or a run score affect him. He just keeps making pitches. He, he pounds the strike zone. Um, he doesn't ever want to walk anybody, so he, he he's he challenges guys. You know, he goes after them, um, but besides him going after him, he knows he's got good stuff. You know, he's he's confident, and and you know when he has to make that pitch to throw a strike, he he does it. He does it, and and um, you know, but fought fought he's really good. But the other guys that went up too, you know, it's it's going to be exciting. It's it's exciting for for the D backs. The where where. Uh, the organization's going right now with the talent that's going up. But Fott, yes, he's, he's going to be another guy that's going to be exciting to go up. What's one name that Diamondbacks fans may not know from the Reno Aces, but maybe they should? Oof. Um, 
Let's just say Doug Drayback. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to say any player's name, and everybody calls me and says, "Why? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't you pick me, man? <laughs> What's up? Yeah, we just gave out MVP awards last week around the office, and it's been chaos since we did that. So I completely understand not wanting to choose your favorites for sure. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Diamondbacks fans are very excited about Brandon Fott and pretty much all the guys, like you said, Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson, a lot of the pitchers that have come up have really stepped up and been incredible at, at a major league level, even if at times their numbers that we saw in the minors not really reflect that. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, you know, we, we there's other there's other players that are coming too. you know, from double A with great arms. And uh, but yeah, there's there's numbers out, out there that doesn't really completely say the story of who the player is, you know, and uh, that's the beauty of baseball. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, you could have a really bad year one year. Next year you're having a unbelievable year and you're in the big leagues. And that that's the beauty of, of, of just continuing to grind and, and not quitting and just putting yourself in situations to give yourselves opportunities. You know, last thing for me, um, I'm curious, what are your conversations with Tori Lovello like throughout the year? Is that a pretty open line of communication from you guys? Is it more of just like a maybe a more occasional check in? What is what is your relationship been like with him? No, yeah, of course. Uh, I've known Tori for I mean, I, he managed me in the Meyer Leagues back in, I believe it was 2010. Uh, wow. But yeah, our, wow. our conversations, our conversations were, you know, it was an open, open uh, policy as far as call me, I call you. And, and, you know, I have that comfort with him of, of, of uh, when he asked me questions, I feel I can be genuine and honest with him. So um, yeah, we definitely, we, we definitely stayed in contact throughout the year. He called me and asked me about the guys and um, you know, he, he just, he's, he's a great man. Well, we wish you all the luck. We are excited about 2023. We're excited about seeing more young prospects because you guys have done an excellent job and not only developing these guys, but I feel like getting them ready at a major league level. When they when they hit the ground up here, that's one thing we've seen consistently from the young players is they seem to really adapt to a major league level fast, and I think that's a credit to you and your staff. Yeah, you know, I, I want to give credit to the whole organization. I think there's a lot of uh, coaches in the organizations that, that – that go unmentioned, you know, throughout yeah. the, throughout the organization, we got a bunch of coaches that have been with the organization for, for a few years now. And it, it's just, you know, I enjoy being with the Diamondbacks because of the people we have. Um, and I think that plays a role in, in players coming to the organization and feeling, you know, welcome and at home and developing the way they should develop. So, um, you know, I, I, I want to give credit, not, not to our staff only, but to everybody. Well, we appreciate your time so much, Gil. We thank you. And again, wish you the best of luck. Baseball never stops for you. So uh, <laughs> best of luck down That's in Mexico right. Cali as well. All right. Thank you. You guys have a good day. Absolutely outstanding stuff from Gil Velasquez. And honestly, uh, I think that the great hair starts at a triple A yeah, level. Am yeah. I not wrong? Unfortunately, like, we hair. got cut off before we could ask him about, uh, about his. Because, I mean, that has to be. It's obviously a theme throughout a lot of the young players the Diamondbacks have brought up recently. And Gil Velazquez has to be, you know, at the heart of that. He really does. I mean, it's where the training really starts is with with the head and the (laughs) hair, right? But, of course, we have a lot of great heads of lettuce from those young guys coming up and uh, great stuff from Gil. Very excited to see what the Reno Aces can do next season, of course, building on what they've built from this year. I still think it's just amazing that they were able to do what they did 
with the ever-changing roster. And I know that's nothing new. I know that's something that all you know minor league teams go through, the constant changes, the constant call-ups being sent yeah. down, things like that. But it just felt like that team succeeded no matter who was on the field for them. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. I mean, AAA baseball is weird because you constantly have guys you know, being called up to the big leagues. And then once they've been used up, they're sent back down yeah. and then you kind of have to like pick up the pieces. Right. Yeah. Um, there's some checks and balances there now with some of the restrictions they put in place on how many times you can, you know, demote and then promote a guy right. in the same year. So um, it's a little bit better now than it used to be, but it's weird. I mean, you know, you get Corbin Carroll and uh, you know, he's leading off for you um, or hitting in the middle of the lineup for a month and then he's gone. He's right. Gone. It's it's just bizarre. It's unlike anything that we ever see at the big league level. So there's a lot of weird dynamics to work with there. And Gil Velasquez seems, you know, just very well equipped to deal with all of those things. He also as as much as we tried to get him to like take credit a little bit. Refused to. The man refuses to refused. take credit for anything. He refused. He kept pointing it back to yeah. all of his players, which um, you know, it says a lot, uh, says a lot about who he, he really is as a does. person, but I, I almost wish we'd gotten him to like take a little just bit more one, credit. just one credit, <laughs> just one piece of credit. Well, and here's the thing is he comes up his first year as a manager, wins PCL manager yeah. of the year and guides his team to the PCL title. So there, there, there is some credit due to Gil, but I will say yeah. that a good manager, especially credits, you know, his team credits the everybody involved and knows that he is not the sole reason for that. I just think that with the with with minor league teams focusing so much on the development of guys, uh, I, I find it amazing right now that the Reno Aces are so successful at doing both. Uh, it felt like almost everybody that call, got called up uh, impressed us this this past season, and it yeah. felt like the Aces managed to continue to keep things on a roll d- despite who was there. So uh, Gil, Gil deserves all the credit in the world for that. Uh, well, we are very excited, of course, for World Cup. At least some of us are very excited for World Cup season to roll on. This guy over here, not so much. So but uh, today, so. Canada has taken on Belgium. We are firmly in Leah's, uh, backing Leah and Team Canada, uh, just because we support Leah and everything Woo! she does. But of course, at Four Peaks, we'll, we'll be hosting every U.S. and Mexico World Cup match. Uh, we have been having an absolute blast at these uh, watch parties, you guys. That was off the... What do, what do the kids say? Chain hook? What You're asking the, me what the kids say? I don't say? know. I don't know. But it was incredible. <laughs> it was electric. We'll just keep using that. But um, make sure to join us for all of those matches at Four Peaks at the A Street Pub. Yesterday, we had delicious breakfast buffet, uh, drink specials, and an appearance from rising head coach Juan, Guerra, Juan Guerra. So make sure not to miss out on that. It, it's 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 an atmosphere. Unlike, I was not expecting that kind of atmosphere, Jesse. But again, uh, it's something to get excited about. It's World Cup season. Yeah, we have so many different eclectic World Cup, you know, soccer soccer fans around the valley that all root for their own teams. So it's a lot of fun to come out there and be a part of it. You enjoy those beer specials, giveaways, guest appearances like we had, and so much more. Three dollar kilt lifters and wow wheat pints, and of course, must be twenty one years or older to enjoy and enjoy responsibly. But come on down, have a blast with us at the Fort Peaks A Street Pub. Uh, things that aren't so fun. Oh yeah, Leah sing uh, Oh Canada. Again. I was saying it a little on bed today. Yeah, she was. She was. She was singing it go, all. Just around go the listen uh, if you want to hear me sing. Just go watch bets. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Get, and I was singing in the office very loud. Well, we we enjoyed just sitting here during that interview. So maybe we can just play that right now. We'll just sit back again. No. Uh, unfortunately, we have Hall of Fame news to talk about because the Hall of Fame uh, ballot for 2023 dropped and. 
it's not impressive. Why do you hate Bronson Arroyo so much, Derek? <laughs> I don't know. Mostly because of his time here as an Arizona Diamondback, Jesse. What? Why? Why don't that trade, you? Hate, that why don't you hate uh, Bronson Arroyo more? Is my question. You but. mean you mean the guy who who was like the most durable starting pitcher of all time? I was then, there for that press conference. Came, came to the D backs and instantly got hard and hardly pitched. Uh, it was not not a great not a great outcome there. But yeah, like Bronson Arroyo is kind of like. Um, I don't know. Like he is sort of the fine, the, the prime example of what we're getting yeah. in the Hall of Fame yeah. ba- ballot. And right. I mean, some of these other names may be a little bit, a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say respectable, but Brian Abdallah says Arroyo had a better music career than baseball. Yes, sir. You're not wrong about that. <laughs> well, no. Yes. The group is at least the additions, the first year additions for the 2023 ballot. They're good players. It's not like you're knocking them. There are a lot of players, a lot of names you recognize, but they're not great players, right? Uh, Carlos Beltran with a career war yeah. of 70.1 is by far the most impressive. Outside of that, it does get relatively mediocre. And I'm not really trying to insult guys like Jacoby Ellsbury and Matt Kane and some of these other guys that have had successful baseball careers. But it just goes to show, I feel like, that, you know, the the uh, again, that steroid era, the PED era, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, really, really leaves us lacking as far as star power goes when when writers and, and you know, people in Major League Baseball don't want to vote in the guys that honestly put up the incredible numbers of that era due to those connections. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Hall of Fame uh, voters are going to have a much easier time um, this next year because you're not. You know, it's not going to be as much of a question of like, how do I find a way to vote for everyone I want to? Right now, now the question is, who do you want to vote for? Like, <laughs> you, ha- you have, you have, you have the somebody. bandwidth in your ballot to cast votes for whomever you, who, whomever you would like. Um, one name that does kind of stand out to me is Matt Cain, um, someone that we're obviously a little bit more familiar with uh, yeah. here in in Arizona. I feel like it's not totally crazy to say that Matt Cain was sort of on like a Hall of Fame trajectory. For a while there, um, if you look at his career, like from when he came up at the age of 20 in 2005 up until 2012, um, he was a really, really good starting pitcher. Yes. Um, and I mean, he didn't he didn't win the Cy Young Award. He never actually finished top five. So maybe I'm even giving him a little bit too much credit here. But I don't know if he continues on that same trajectory and is able to maintain that. I think maybe there's maybe there's a case uh, for him to to at least be someone you you would really consider casting a ballot for. The problem is that once he got to really his age 28 season, uh, the wheels just kind of came off, and and we've seen that with a few San Francisco uh, former San Francisco Giants pitchers, where you know they they make their debut really early in their career, and then once they hit 30 um, or close to 30, things um, you know things kind of start to go off the rails. Okay. So. Um, is there anybody you think that will will get in that's already on the ballot that has a better chance now? Because maybe, like you said, the the new additions aren't really going to garner too many votes. I don't know. Because um, like I we mean, have, we have like Jeff Kent on his tenth year on the ballot. Yeah, right? I think and Jeff like, Kent would fall off yeah. um, after this year. But I don't know if Jeff Kent is. He, I mean, he's he's interesting for sure. Um, I don't I, I would be somewhat surprised if he wound up if he wound up getting in. But of course, again, it's not it's not a matter of, you know, which guys can you fit on your ballot? It's like just who do you think is deserving? So sure. in some ways, that's good because, um, you know, it seems like at times guys fall off when they really shouldn't have. And it's just because there were that that class was just stacked and people just didn't have enough votes to go around. So 
Um, so yeah, but I mean, this list is, we, we've got Jared Weaver in here, which is <laughs> Jared Weaver was good for a while, but man, he was not good uh, for those Andre last few Ezier, years. R.A. Dickey, uh, Jason Worth. Yeah. I mean, John Lackey. I, I don't know, Jesse, there's not a lot on here that's exciting. And that goes for even the existing guys that are going to be on the ballot for 2023. I think Todd Helton is a little yeah, bit of a Todd Helton's interesting. Yeah. case there. And I also think Scott Rowland, who's the closest to percentage-wise of getting in with a few years left on the ballot, probably has a good chance. But I don't know, man. It's The Hall of Fame is getting to a point where all of this debate and discussion about who belongs and doesn't belong kind of has taken a little bit of the luster off of it. I still am a huge Hall of Fame guy, and I try not to let any of this impede my enjoyment of Cooperstown. But at the same time, it just gets to be such a petty argument sometimes about guys' careers and everything. It reminds me a little yeah. too much of arbitration where there's too many people trying to tear these guys down uh, instead of building them up because they always want to make a case why they don't belong versus why they do belong. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that just kind of came naturally with like, you know, Kurt Schilling's reputation and all the guys who were involved Very in PD scandals and whatnot. We're kind of to the point where we're, we're kind of moving past that now. Um, I agree with with uh, both Brian and Gabriel. I think Todd Helton is pretty. I think yeah. that's pretty clear cut. I, I agree um, too. But yeah, it's it's just different. It's It's different than what it's been the last few years for sure. Well, sir, I am thankful for you. I know tomorrow is the big day. We're oh. going to have two more audio podcasts this week, so make sure to join us for those. But you can get a double dose of Jesse if you want that for some reason uh, today. <laughs> Same thing with this guy over here. I'll be on a graded uh, podcast later, <laughs> as Jesse likes to call it. But uh, just a quick shout out to all of you. Of course, we are so thankful for you guys. Uh, I know it's the... The thankful time of the year. I'm sure we're going to talk save about the, it. Save the thanks for tomorrow, I'm, I'm just, Derek. I'm just, Gosh. I'm just very thankful. <laughs> You're not allowed to be thankful I on the day thankful. before Thanksgiving. Look, I'm thankful <laughs> for the entire week of Thanksgiving. I've had to put up with my family this week. Uh, and not my direct family that I always have to put up with. Extended family. So I'm thankful to be here in the office right now is what I'm saying. But I am thankful for them. And I'm thankful for you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I am, I am. I have to say real quick. I am thankful for uh, new Zips projection standings What's that just going? came out. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm not going to talk about it yet, although you could go on Fangraphs and find it if you want yeah. to. But, or, or you could wait for tomorrow. Or you could wait, wait for, for tomorrow's for tomorrow. show and we'll we'll delve deep into that. But <sighs> suffice it to say that some of the projections we talked about yesterday, you know, 84 wins and all this. My hold up. It might, hold some it water. might actually be somewhat reasonable. So uh, join us again tomorrow for sure on audio. Well, what people aren't thankful for, Jesse, was your review of Major League. Oh, this is true. It's because people don't understand how percentiles work. Would you go ahead and Yeah, that, them? people don't understand how percentiles work. If I give a movie... Like that's what that that's what that little thing that's what we're trying to imitate right is percentiles on baseball savant yeah so so baseball savant the way that percentiles work is I mean the way that percentiles work in general is that it's the it's the percentage of data points that are at or below that one so what I'm saying in essence is that major league is better than or equal to seventy four percent. Of other movies, of all movies made of all movies, of all yes, movies better, better than like, better than seventy four percent seen, which is like a handful, but right? Still, so it's not like a seventy four test grade, right? Seventy four test grade would be pretty average. That would be a fiftieth percentile. This is grade. the same guy that got mad at me about giving Merrill Kelly a B. Let's like not forget that. Well, letter okay? grades are a whole other thing, yeah. so don't get me on letter grades I'll again. Tell you. See, this is where it gets confusing. I don't understand anything anymore. But 
yes, we're, we're thankful that Jesse uh, gives us somewhat of an explanation, but we're still mad about giving him <laughs> Uh, a great movie like major league that i was gonna it was good it was good it i was, really did i really did enjoy it it was better than i was expecting he did text me that that was his first feed his first yeah. piece of feedback was wow that was a better <laughs> that movie was surprisingly than I thought it was be. actually pretty pretty fun to watch so. and uh gabriel first says 1980s renee russo is the most beautiful human being ever and i am not gonna argue with that <laughs> anyway uh i'm beating up on the furniture of course you guys know i'm not allowed to buy any new office chairs over at more furniture but it's that time of the year. We know you need seats for tomorrow. We know you need all the chairs you can get. So make sure to spruce up your home during More Furniture's fall sale at morefurniture.com. Get over there. Save yourself some money. Plus, you'll receive a $100 gift card for every $1,000 you spend. So make sure to do that. Make your Get your home ready. It's that time of the year. It's the holiday season. So uh, just be like Tori Lovello and make your home very open and welcome for guests. At least that's how we imagine it. Being. We have no information. <laughs> you say this like Tori Lovello no has invited to you to up. his Thanksgiving table tomorrow. <laughs> hey, you never know, Jesse. If I show up on the Zoom meeting, you'll be a little jealous, I'm sure. But of course, uh, we are thankful. I don't care what Jesse says. That might come tomorrow. But we are thankful for you guys being here today. Uh, we are thankful that you spent your lunch with us on behalf of everybody here. We always appreciate you guys tuning in. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at cap underscore caveman with a K. Jesse is at Jesse and Friedman. Our show is at PHNX underscore D-backs. But of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we thank you guys again on behalf of Leah, Jesse, and myself. We appreciate you guys. We love you. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you drag Garrett Cole during your interviews. <laughs>